The Lakers say they're out of the Anthony Davis talks. Yeah, right. We've got the latest on that. And the Grizzlies are close to moving on from Marc Gasol and maybe Conley as well. And just a brutal, brutal, brutal injury to John Wall. It's not fair. We're going to talk about it all here on the Locked On NBA Podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's an eight-game night in the association, and none of anything that happened in these games trumps anything that we're going to talk about because it is we're right up against the trade deadline. So much going on, and then on top of it, this John Wall injury. It, we we have a lot to talk about, so we're going to run through all of it. I am John Corrales, your Wednesday co-host. I am the co-host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. I am a Celtics beat writer for MassLive.com. You can find me on Twitter, at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter, at Nola Jake. Jake, let's get into the biggest story. The <laughs> I have no idea what, th- what that would be at all. It would be the Lakers executing a trade for... Reggie Bullock in exchange for Shri Mikhailik. That's actually uh, a report that's reportedly happening. I don't know why, but uh, the Bullock for Shri Mikhailik has uh, has had the world turned on its head, and now we get to talk about it for all 30 minutes. Oh, finally, I thought this trade might never happen, and they got it out of the way. Cool. First, what is this? You always need that first domino to follow. These guys considered dominoes. I guess. Uh, it just makes me wonder if that's part of if, – if Reggie Bullock is one of those players that maybe the Pelicans are like, huh, well, you know, he's interesting. You know, Shvi we're not so interested in, but if you can go get Reggie Bullock and throw him in the deal, then, you know, who knows? Now, of course – you can't trade trade for a guy and then turn around and package him in part of a trade, but you can get creative and send him to the Pelicans for nothing and then create a uh, trade exception and blah, 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 blah. There are mechanisms to do that. But anyway, I thought it was interesting that the Lakers are actually making a deal, and it makes me wonder if that's something that they're going to throw into an offer. But as is reported on ESPN, the Lakers are now just sitting there waiting. They're tired of bidding against themselves, the story goes, and that they are now going to sit patiently and wait for a counteroffer by the Pelicans on Anthony Davis. Do you believe a single word of that? Um, not really. It, it, this is kind of funny to me, and I've been covering this obviously a lot over the past week or so. But mm-hmm. it, you know, so the Pelicans want to, or the Pelicans, the Lakers want to stop bidding against themselves and then go into the summer and bid against the Boston Celtics. Right? Is that really a whole lot better? This just hasn't worked out like they thought that it was going to. They thought they were going to get Anthony Davis pretty easily, and that has clearly been proven to not be the case. This is a situation of they've kind of frozen out the Boston Celtics because of the quirk in the CBA with everything. But to get that premium to negotiate against the Pelicans almost exclusively, you got to pay for that. And the Pelicans are basically holding their feet to the fire for it, and they don't seem to like this. you know. And so I think they finally have made a good offer that's at least some a good starting point which was not what they did originally and now the pelicans are telling them what they want and then you work kind of to get closer and closer and closer or it's just that the pelicans don't like what the lakers offered and want way more on top of it like i i don't see this being the end of it but i also don't necessarily see this going through i i don't i don't see the lakers like there's no there's no reason for them to bail other than to say 
put put some sort of pressure on on the Pelicans to to make their own move. Uh, and part of the report is that the Pelicans are being unreasonable, and the Pelicans should be unreasonable because <laughs> this is this is their chance to to this is. The opportunity doesn't come along to actually fleece a team, and this is their chance to fleece the Lakers for everything that they've got. Literally I, everything. It's, it's almost everything, but it's not fleecing. Like, you look at what the, the, the final good, like, the first good offer they made, and when your opening offer to the Pelicans includes Rondo, Beasley, and Lance Stevenson, and then the quote-unquote godfather offer includes those three guys, that is, it's not a godfather offer. It's not even a good offer for Anthony Davis. Like, if that's what you're starting with, it pissed the Pelicans off. I can tell you that 100%. They were upset, and when the Lakers are now crying that the Pelicans aren't negotiating in good faith, you fucking put Rondo and Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley in an Anthony Davis trade. Who's not negotiating in good faith? Sorry, I'm going on, but you get what I'm saying here. Like the Lakers are the ones crying foul on this? No. You're going to need to include Lonzo Ball in this, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Zubach, and maybe four first-round picks because you know what? Those five players are that appealing to the Pelicans? The the entirety of this thing comes down to which team's young guys do you like more and think have the potential to blossom into all NBA guys, which it's reported and is truthful that the Pelicans want in a trade for a- Anthony Davis. If you think some of those five from the Lakers can do that, then cool, you'll take that deal. If you think it's the Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, then it's those guys you go after. But if you think it's not the Lakers, but you can get four first-round picks with it, Maybe you still do that deal because at least you're getting some quantity in there. Maybe one of those five guys turns into it. But we're seeing the Pelicans don't value those guys as highly as Lakers fans do and as the Lakers do. So what do you expect? They're going to ask for more then. Exactly. That I mean, when, and when I say fleece, I mean take them for all that they've got. And if they do like those players, the, even if they think they've got the deal, they still have the opportunity to push for the inclusion of even more because the Lakers, I don't want to say their only chance, but really their best chance to get this deal done is by three o'clock Thursday. And that's, yes. that's why, that's why we're here. That's why they made the request. That's why, that's why all of these stories have broken the way they've broken and when they've broken because the Lakers need to do this now. If they can't do this now, then Boston gets involved, then the draft lottery becomes a significant factor, and whoever gets the top one, two, three picks, whatever it is, become factors here. And as is reported now tonight by Sam Amick in The Athletic, Jason Tatum has been heavily discussed in talks with the uh, Celtics and the Pelicans. It's to read directly from the, the Athletic. A source with knowledge of the talk said the potential centerpiece in a Pelicans package, 20-year-old Celtics small forward Jason Tatum, has been discussed extensively by the two teams and is expected to be a major part of the talks when June rolls around. That is the trump card for the Boston Celtics. Jason Tatum, who tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers showed without Kyrie Irving, without Marcus Morris, without Aaron Baines, it, it 
took on a little bit more of the scoring, dropped 25 points on 13 shots, got to the line 12 times, had one of those games that you see a ton of potential out of this kid. Now, obviously, I'm a Boston guy. I cover the team. I'm at practices. I talk to these guys every day. So I I value these guys more highly than maybe Lakers fans do. And Lakers fans value their guys highly because they see them every day and they think they see something that we don't see. That's how it goes with every team. Every team likes their own, every fans and like writer and everyone likes their own guys right. more than, look, I thought Omer Oshik was good at one point. Like that tells you kind of well, how blind was. you get covered <laughs> uh, for a little bit, but you get what I mean. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're blind to your own thing. So it's, it's just, it's, it's how it goes. Again, I, this really comes down to which teams young guys do you like the most? And if Boston's putting in Tatum and Brown, and yeah, I, I can confirm they've all discussed that. The, these two teams, when they're talking, are in a weird spot because no deal can officially get done, and there's so much time for things to change. There could be an injury, or maybe all of a sudden they play so well that you don't want to move them potentially. So there's a lot of weird moving pieces and in everything. So they've talked, and if they can get Tatum in there, that's who the Pelicans are kind of eyeing because they think he's the guy out of all the names mentioned that has the most potential to be an all-NBA player. Look, there are risks involved throughout all of this. There's a risk involved with the Pelicans not taking this current Lakers offer. Because, Very much so. You know, because you never know what's going to happen between now and, and June. The Celtics, everybody sees the Celtics as the primary opposition here it's, it, uh, for the Lakers. That Tatum is the Trump, the Trump card, and that he, his inclusion is more meaningful to the Pelicans than any of the Lakers players. Okay, let's work on that assumption here. What happens if the Celtics put it together? Since November 26, when they made the lineup switch and Marcus Smart got into the starting lineup along with Marcus Morris, and they moved Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward to the bench, the Celtics are tied for number one in the NBA in wins. They have the best point differential in the NBA since that day, and they have now moved up to the third seed in the East. What if that trend continues? What if frustrated Kyrie Irving and the rest of the Celtics continue to put things together and they make a deep playoff run as currently constituted? What if they get to the finals as currently constituted and they start to figure some things out? Do they blow that up for Anthony Davis? Do they now say, here's Jason Tatum, here's Jalen Brown, and all those things? Does Kyrie Irving want them to blow it up for Anthony Davis at that point? I mean, I I know enough about Danny Ainge to be like, it doesn't matter how far they go, he'll probably still do it. But if Kyrie is like, no, 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 I want these guys now, and I'll sign long-term with these guys around me, then that changes the dynamic significantly. And now the Lakers can be like, well, now we're not going to give you Josh Hart because the the, the Celtics are out and, and they were our main competition. You run yeah, that, that risk. That and that's the risk. Though I will say, I think from the Pelicans' perspective, with it, if that does happen and they remove Josh Hart and you don't like, that's not going to make or break a deal for him because they don't particularly like these guys anyway. So if you remove a piece that they don't like, like who really cares? I guess. <laughs> You, you get, you know what I mean though? Sure, it's almost sure, like a sure. negative, like a neutral thing they're attaching to it. Sure, if you can get them, that's great, but whatever. Um, 
you know, especially if the offers starting a, a, like around them are going down. But that's the risk here. That's why I think there is still some outside chance that the Lakers do all five of those guys, maybe four first round picks with some pick swaps and second round picks, and then a deal gets done just because it's it, it's a burden hand situation and. I don't think, and you and I talked about this on Twitter the other day, that Danny Ainge is going to like underhandedly screw this team over. One, he's not going to guarantee anything right now. He's not dumb enough to do that. And if he did, I don't know if he would really go back on that, especially if it leaks, because you still have a reputation to uphold. And I think when everyone's like, you really want to deal with Danny Ainge in the summer? Look, the guy's just made trades that have worked out more often than not for the Celtics based off his scouting and other things. He's made. It's not like he's done anything dirty to another team here it's just he's smart and he's made good trades and maybe you don't want to deal with him because of that but i don't think you really run the risk of him like completely screwing you over yeah i i think there's a misconception like danny Ainge has won a few of these trades so lopsided like it it makes it feel like that he is screwing people uh but other teams have he's he hasn't gone in and said dangled the guy and they'd be like nope psych and then screwed a team over. Like I think teams have gone into negotiations with Danny Ainge, and they've said, "Okay, yeah, this is this is fine." But what about this scenario? And Danny Ainge has talked teams out of certain things, but that's part of negotiating. You're negotiating. Yeah, like, like that's that's how it goes. Yeah. So if you agree to a deal, then you agree to a deal, and it's it's not like there's any. I don't understand what the shady thing is. It's the the only thing that people should be afraid of is agreeing to a deal with Danny Ainge, and and then after you agree, you're like, wait a minute, did we just, is, is this good? Because everybody else who's agreed to a deal with Danny Ainge later on goes, I can't believe this, you know? So I, I think that the the Lakers will make one last run, and they, yes. they will, by the trade deadline, offer everything. Everything, everything, everything that the Pelicans want. It's all coming, it's all going to be on the table. As many picks as possible, as many pick swaps as possible, all of the players that they might be able to, to, to include, everything is going to be offered by the trade deadline because that's it. So all of these reports, none of it matters. I guarantee that by 3 p.m. on Thursday, the Pelicans will be making a decision. Is this enough for us to say, it's not worth the wait. It's not worth the risk. Is this enough for us to take this deal and move forward? And and if they do, then so be it. Uh, then it's going to be really interesting to see if the Lakers could even feel the team because they're going to give up everybody. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how that's even going to work, but uh, I, I still don't expect it to happen. I still expect the Pelicans to say, we can't, we can't do it. We got to wait. Because you, there's just so many. What if you pass up the opportunity for a Jason Tatum and you say you make this deal and whatever happens happens. And if Jason Tatum goes off to be an All NBA player, you say we could have had him if he just waited. You know, like who knows? But uh, that's uh, I'm sure just a lot more that's going to be going on with that. Of course. You gotta be ready for the trade deadline, and we're gonna be here on the Locked On. NBA podcast with a live NBA trade deadline special starting at Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern live on YouTube on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball channel. David Locke, 
fantasy expert Josh Lloyd, all the local experts of the Lockdown Podcast Network, breaking down all of the deals, giving the fantasy perspective and the local angles. It starts Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. That's 90 minutes before the trade deadline. So this is your Wednesday show. There's going to be a Thursday live trade deadline special on YouTube at the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Channel. Be sure to check that out. We're going to come back. There's more trade talk because the Memphis Grizzlies are close to blowing it up and the Celtics own that pick. This could be very interesting. What they do could significantly impact this Anthony Davis deal. Stick around for more on that when we come back in the Lockdown NBA podcast. Lots of reports out there. Mark Gasol, Mike Conley are on their way out. There were reports that the Toronto Raptors offered Kyle Lowry and Jonas Valanciunas for Conley and Gasol, which was summarily rejected, of course. And there's now a report that the Charlotte Hornets are very, very close on a Mark Gasol trade. So close that it may be that that trade is executed by the time you even listen to this podcast. And Conley is rumored to be uh, on the move. There is Utah that is interested. Other teams are interested. So the Memphis Grizzlies here, Jake, are really moving forward with this plan and tying this back into the Anthony Davis trade. The Celtics own this pick from the Memphis Grizzlies. It is top eight protected. If they move these guys it becomes the the Grizzlies hold on to it. It becomes top six protected next year, and then unprotected the year after that. This is a significant development for the Anthony Davis trade talks because the Celtics, yep. including the Memphis pick, it would not convey this year. But Memphis, in moving these two guys, would become very bad, and you have a chance now for an unprotected Memphis Grizzlies pick in two years. And a top six protected next year, potentially, but that unprotected protected in two years becomes very, very key in this. If they execute this trade and they really go on the tank, that could be something that moves the needle on the um, on the Anthony Davis trade and another reason for the Pelicans to wait. Yeah. You remember when I we did a podcast and I thought it, I convinced you that it was going to be a quiet NBA trade deadline? <laughs> Yeah, that seems like years ago at this point. So Memphis is is doing the right thing and in making these moves. You know, you say they're going to be bad. They're pretty bad now. They're 21 and 23, uh, or sorry, in 33 here. And what they lost, I think tonight. I'm not looking at the scores in front of me here. They are fourth in the, or sorry, 14th in the West. Like they haven't been good. It's time to move on. They thought they could compete. They didn't. This is really good. I also, before we actually talk about the potential trades and deals here, find it hilarious that Mitch Kupchak, former GM of the Lakers, is about to do kind of a big blockbuster trade that brings in a star player to his new team, the Charlotte Hornets, while the Lakers are still struggling to figure out what to do with Anthony Davis. So that's been kind of amusing to me here. <laughs> um before we move on, let's talk about the addition just from the Charlotte Hornets perspective because that changes a little bit of the dynamic in the in the Eastern Conference and and who knows what's going to happen moving forward. The Charlotte Hornets are trying to win now. They've got Kemba Walker and Kemba Walker, Mark Gasol pick and roll, it's going to be super super interesting. Um 
I'm a big Kemba Walker fan. I think he could make a third team All NBA uh, this this year. At this point, I think he's in the running, very close. So uh, that could improve the the uh, Hornets to a point where, who knows? Maybe it gets a little interesting. the The East is kind of open. They're currently the seventh seed. The sixth seed is the Brooklyn Nets, which they are only one game behind. And at that point, I, I don't think they move into the top five, but they could. They, I mean, you never know with Indiana and then Victor Oladipo being out, so maybe it has an influence on this. Like this, this move doesn't really change the fortunes of Charlotte very much. It's a nice move. It'll make them more fun to watch. But we've seen Gasol age, not necessarily the most gracefully, I guess. Um, though he still rebounds, still scores, plays defense, he passes. Like, I get it. You know, it's an upgrade from what Cody Zeller probably starts at center for them. And, uh, you know, like, so it makes them a little bit more, but do you see this move getting them out of the first round of the playoffs? No, no, not really. Uh, but they're, what they're really pushing for is, first of all, getting to the playoffs. They need to get to the playoffs. Um, and it's, it's wild for us to say that because, you would think the conventional wisdom would be like, at this point, it doesn't matter. It's probably better off going into the, into the lottery, but they, they are desperate for relevance. They need to, to solidify a, a, a run towards the, a run to the playoffs, even if it means a first round exit, or they, they could say, look, the, the Celtics are the third seed. If we face the Celtics with this big guy, you, you never know. You never know. They, they, they could talk themselves into whatever, anything. Uh, and, but they've also got to try to re-sign Kemba Walker, which he is committed to Charlotte. He likes Charlotte, but of course the Knicks are there calling. He's a Bronx guy. They've got max space. And if Charlotte at the end of the, at the end of the season just can't seem to put it together, if the Knicks get Kevin Durant and you're sitting there and you're like the Knicks are coming at me with max money, and I'm looking at the Charlotte Hornets going, uh, I mean, what am I, what am I going to be doing here? Just banging my head up against the wall. He may make a tough decision and say, I, I I'm going to go home and play for my Knicks and play next to Kevin Durant and really make a run for things. So, uh, but for the Hornets, they, they are doing, they're doing right now what the Pelicans, I think, were going to do. Yes. If they didn't think that they were going to lose Davis in that they're trying to be buyers now in a desperate attempt to keep their current star. Yeah, they're, they're in that spot just with the other guy from the Memphis Grizzlies then who the Pelicans were targeting. So, you know, look, it, look at their owner. It's, it's Michael Jordan. You think this dude's okay with tanking and losing? No. Not a chance. This no. is a top, a top down thing. So it makes sense that they're going after this. You know, it's a good point about trying to keep Kemba. He's, you know, uh, Gasol's got a player option next year for almost what, 25 and a half million dollars. He'll likely opt into that, I would think, I but would, I'm not entirely so. sure. Yeah, I would hope I would so. Hope so. so you know, he's there, he's locked in. If Kemba goes, maybe you can kind of retool it around Mark Gasol. You know, it seems like as sad as he's going to be to leave Memphis and as sad as breaking up him and Conley is, maybe he needs a change of scenery after clashing with coaches and everybody there. So I don't know. This could be a good thing. I'm intrigued. I just don't think it overall changes the fortunes of the Hornets this season. And but I think there's one key element here in that if they can get off of the Batum contract, if the Batum contract becomes part of this, and I don't know what else, what other things are going to go into that, even if uh, Gasol opts in to $25 million 
uh, $25.5 million for the, the following season. So that's next season. They would still be out from under the Batum money, which is the same money, one season earlier. And if he yeah. opts in and they, and Kemba still leaves, then they have an expiring, uh, expiring contract, serviceable guy that they can turn around and maybe say, all right, next trade deadline. Here's Marcus all expiring contract contending team. He can maybe push you over the top and they, they do the rebuild that way, but at least they clear, they clear that money one year faster. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Uh, so back to the, the rest of the, the trade chatter here. Uh, Conley, it'd be interesting if Conley could go to Utah. I mean, if that's, if that's where he ends up, man, that's, that's going to be a significant. That makes a ton of sense. It does make a ton of sense. And if they can pull that off, uh, there are, there, Reports here that it's Ricky Rubio, uh, along with maybe Dante Exum or Grayson Allen. Uh, the, the Pistons have called, uh, about a Reggie Jackson centered thing, which I, I would not do. But I, if, if the Grizzlies pick up a young player and some sort of draft compensation, whatever, uh, that would, that would be trying just, Trying to acquire as many young guys to see if a change of venue works for them. Like Grayson Allen, I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan. Dante Exum, I think, has potential, and he's had just some bad luck. Uh, and if it doesn't work, then you say, all right, we're going to move on. But it's all about acquiring as many assets as they can. Meanwhile, it, Which is the Philly model of it, and it's smart. Get a bunch of guys, and if one of them works out, cool, you're happy. Yeah, that's it. And if they don't, then you don't. Just you, move you on, move and on. no big deal. You move on, right. But you just gotta get as many. And that's, you know, kinda like the theory behind the, the Pelicans acquiring a ton of players from the yeah, Lakers. That's you exactly say, it. You know, okay, this guy, he didn't pan out. Okay, next. Uh, okay, Zubac, uh, maybe uh, the ball. Okay, whatever. But anyway, uh, the Jazz getting Mike Conley. Whew. Man, wouldn't that just really shake things up in the West? Cause they're the seventh seed. And, I don't know how high up that would, would put them, but you throw Mike Conley, if he stays healthy on that Jazz team, that significantly changes the the way those guys can play. It changes um, how you can use Donovan Mitchell, and it frees him up a bit. I really think that that can unlock some things with him. You run that pick and roll with Conley and Gobert, whoo, baby, that Jazz team all of a sudden becomes very, very dangerous. I don't know, dangerous enough to to – you know, beat the Warriors, but you know, you throw you throw that big. Uh, it still Rudy it still Gobert helps them there. certainly. I think, and like they don't lose much defense uh, or really at all. It, it it just makes too much sense to almost like not happen to me. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So that's it. So to recap that segment, Memphis blowing it up it could have a significant impact on the um, Anthony Davis talks. So again, I think that's why they should wait. And, and that may mean just passing on the Lakers offer. We'll see what happens with the Charlotte Hornets. We'll see what happens with the Utah Jazz. If anybody else gets involved, very interesting to see just some other teams as Minnesota get involved, Detroit, uh, whomever else. Uh, there are a lot of teams out there. All of a sudden this, this trade deadline, like you said earlier, Jake gets very, very busy. 
And so wrong. You guys probably it, shouldn't be listening to me on here. It after made I sense. Missed that one. It made sense at the time, and then all of a sudden, Porzingis got traded, and you're like, "Whoa, okay, hold on," because uh, we thought that Anthony Davis would hold off until the summer. And it was so we, going to. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden, the 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 LeBron camp said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! If we hold off to the summer, we we can't hold off to the summer. We got to do this now." So that's that. We're gonna come back with a just brutal John Wall injury. Like this is I, I'm just stunned by it. We'll talk about that and more wrapping up the show after this on the Locked On NBA podcast. John Wall had surgery on his heel to fix bone spurs. And at the time, the hope was the surgery would prevent him from rupturing his Achilles tendon. Like it was an Achilles-related thing, and the removal of the bone spurs was to hopefully prevent the rupturing of the Achilles tendon. Then, that's bad enough. Then he develops an infection at the site of the incision. And then he slips and falls at his home. And when they're going in to check this infection, they realize he has indeed actually ruptured his left Achilles tendon after that slip and fall. Now he is going to be out another 12 months. And he still hasn't had the surgery yet. So once he has the surgery, it's 12 months from the time of the surgery. So he's not coming back until after the next next season's All-Star break, which means he's probably, Jake, not going to be himself or anywhere close to himself until the beginning of the 2020-21 season. Yep. Wow. It's brutal. Like it's <laughs> so. Look, we've made fun of the Wizards a lot, but I will say, admittedly, I'm actually a, was maybe now it's past tense a pretty big John Wall fan and was like very pro teams trading for him with that contract. Obviously, this changes things, and it is just devastating for him, potentially his career, and that Washington team that now looks like they're not going to be competing really for what four years till this thing expires. Yeah, I mean, this is, this significantly changes the entire direction of the franchise. I think, like, he's like direct direction. How? Like, you just tear it apart and just blow it up for four years? Well, the whole point of giving him that money was for him to lead that franchise. And now, I used to be a big John Wall fan. And that has waned over recent years. I just don't like the way he has progressed. Um, but in Washington, he's still their centerpiece and you've built around him a team of Bradley Beal and Otto Porter and, and all of those guys. If John Wall is not coming back for another season and a half, what do you do? You can't fix your team. You can't, you can't add anything. The team is over the 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 cap they're they're paying a tax yep 
That's the big thing. They're in the luxury tax with all of this. They can file for a disabled player exception, but it's not guaranteed to be granted yet because they don't know if he's going to be out for the season or not, basically, yet. And maybe we'll find that out sooner. And then it's only for, like, the the non-taxpayer mid-level, so, like, $8.5 million, 8.6, which isn't going to be a game changer for them. And also that 8.6 when you're in the luxury tax is a whole, that that's not 8.6 million you're spending on that guy. Right. That guy is like triple that amount. So I don't know, like I think maybe they can just deal with this for another year, go into next year, try and get in as the eight seed, get swept in the first round and be the disappointing wizards that we're used to because we've seen them at times play well without John Wall. Like they did last year, like they've shown one or two quick little flashes this year. So I think you can look at it and just be like, okay, whatever. We're just going to go into battle without him. We'll deal. We got Beal. We got some other guys. We're good. But that's not a long-term solution. And with the money that he's getting paid, which starts to get towards 40 plus million dollars, you're not going to be able to, like you said, improve your team really anymore in your ceiling. Now, at the, in the best case scenario, if no one else gets hurt, is you're the eighth seed and you get swept in the first round. Or do you just find a way to tear it down and get a, and avoid all of that and just kind of, I don't know, figure it out. But with him carrying that $40 million cap hit, I don't even see how you can build around this team for the next four years. I, I don't see it either. The, there are teams out there that want Otto Porter. There are definitely teams out there that want Bradley Beal. And, and look, if, if the Lakers really want to throw things into a tailspin, if at the trade deadline, like they should be talking to the Wizards for about Bradley Beal and they should be looking at if the, 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 uh, Pelicans want to wait and go past the debt, they should have like a backup plan and say, is Bradley Beal available and, and make, just make a deal that way. Keep more of your young players, keep more of your draft picks, get Bradley Beal, pair him with LeBron James and go after somebody else in free agency and, and create just a different team and forget the Anthony Davis pursuit. And I'm not just saying that because the Celtics are the other, I think that the Lakers need to have a backup plan or else this isn't going to be what what does it for LeBron. If they miss out on Anthony Davis, they're going to have to come up with something else. LeBron's 34. He's going to he's going into next year, next year 35 when Anthony Davis becomes available as a free agent, he's going to be almost 36. That's not a, he he wants to win before that. He wants to challenge before that. So, take advantage of the situation. Go to Washington and say, "Okay, what do you want for Bradley Beal? What can we do?" And, and let's, let's see if we, we can work something out. And the Wizards need to start at least fielding offers. If, if Wall isn't going to be back and Wall's your guy, if he's not going to be back really in, in earnest until the beginning of the 2020 season, just take this time now to start rebuilding. And when he gets back, then maybe you have a team that's going to catch up because you could probably get the types of players that you need to be the eighth seed by then. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. It's just, it's so 
weird. Like, but their owner isn't inclined to do it. He's in the no. vein of Michael Jordan here, where they're going to push for it this year. They're probably going to push it for next year, and then I think maybe is if they don't make the playoffs next season is when they would do it. I don't hate the idea of the Lakers maybe making a run at Bradley Beal. I don't know if that's necessarily appealing for the Wizards at this point because like they probably still need to go down to the studs there with the, with the teardown. And again, I think the whole issue is like even can you build a team even around young guys when John Wall's taking up $40 million and not playing, I don't really know. So uh, that's why maybe if I'm them, I'd wait. But I get what – like by all accounts, yes, they should absolutely tear it down and try and figure this out. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm trying to figure out if there's a a trade that we can build – between the Wizards and the Lakers, uh, not that I don't think they're they're just going to keep going with what they have, but uh, I just see the possibility of if you can get Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and and one of these other pieces that they're they're offering, uh, you know, Josh Hart, you let the Lakers keep Lonzo Ball, and then you throw in like a Rondo as just the guy that. Uh, makes the makes the money work or somehow you make the money work uh however you need to throw in additional salary and i don't know i'm just throwing it out there that giving the wizards a guy like ingram and a guy like kuzma and a guy like hart like those three guys you get Bradley Beal. You consolidate the talent. He's a stu- he's a stud. I think he's really great. You put him next to LeBron James. How much does LeBron James unlock in Bradley Beal's game? Like that that would just be amazing. Yeah, even more so than how good he already is. Right. I'm gonna just also laugh now. That is, hey, Rich Paul. I know you're listening because you're looking for things to throw out there through Shams or Woj next. So this was John's idea of the Lakers being linked to Bradley Beal. So when this gets tweeted out later, everybody, you know where it came from, this guy <laughs> right here, uh, because they are all throwing out so much stuff, and it's so blatantly obvious on both sides where it's coming from that this is just probably going to be next now. I I have just started, now that I'm on the beat, I have just started to get aggregated, which I've been on the other side, and I'm still on the other side of aggregation, like one of my one of my – one part of my job is to aggregate. So I'm, I'm not completely out of that game yet, but I've never had anything I've said in the podcast aggregated, uh, because I don't have any inside knowledge. This is me just playing around to say, you know, I had this idea in my head that, Hey, Bradley Beal would be a, a decent, a decent direction for the Lakers to go. It would be hilarious if somebody like that aggregate in, in my scenario got thrown out there as part of the aggregation. It's just, this is, this season is just crazy enough for something like that to happen. It'd be hilarious. I mean, the Lakers are saying they're no longer interested in Anthony Davis, so I think we've seen crazier things said over the past, like, 48 hours. This is, like, if you want kind of, uh, one, I think it's like a masterclass in how to make everyone just look like assholes and terrible, <laughs> terrible people. I'm, I'm swearing a lot on this podcast today, and I shouldn't, but um, I'm overworked and tired. <laughs> and, like, it, it, the negotiating through the media on all of this stuff is so silly to me. And these NBA teams actually listen to this stuff a little bit, which is even sillier. Well, <clears throat> yeah, that, that that is silly. Um, I think it would be a brilliant chess move. Like that's the next clutch sports move to say that they are, if if they can actually engage in talks for somebody like this, 
and it doesn't have to be Bradley Beal. It could be anybody else. Uh, if there's another star out there that becomes that is sort of available, and the Lakers start to engage in conversations, that would be the next report to throw the shock yep. at the Pelicans and be like, the Lakers are moving on, exploring their plan B. If they get the sense that the Pelicans are not willing to trade Davis by the deadline, they're going to have to use their assets to go in a different direction. That's the next chess move. And to say, we've been talking to the Wizards about Bradley Beal or whomever it is. That's, I think that would be the next report to make the, the, the Pelicans go, Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Yep. That's, that's the, it is so obvious. And like when this happens, you know, tomorrow, today, whenever, I'm not going to be shocked. I will not be shocked. I will not be shocked at anything at all. All right, let's wrap this up quickly with a look at the games. I said at the beginning of the podcast there were eight, and here are the scores quickly. Clippers beat the Charlotte Hornets 117-115 behind 34 points from Tobias Harris, including the game winner. Jason Tatum scored 25 points in a 103-96 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers, including a career-high 12 free throws. The Lakers got demolished by the Indiana Pacers, 136-94. It's the biggest loss, the worst loss of LeBron James' career. Boyan Bogdanovich had 24 for the Pacers. Pistons, Knicks, Detroit wins, 105-92. Blake Griffin, 29 points for the Pistons. Dennis Smith Jr., 25-6 and for the Knicks. And the Raptors beat the Philadelphia 76ers 119-107. Kawhi Leonard had 24 in that one. Joel Embiid 37-13 and in a monster game. A comeback for the Sixers, but they couldn't quite finish it off. The Grizzlies hold off the Minnesota Timberwolves 108-106. Was this Mike Conley's last game as a Grizzly? If it was, he led the team with 25 points and 9 assists. Carl Anthony Towns, 26 points, 18 rebounds for the Timberwolves. Oklahoma City, 132-122 winners over the Orlando Magic. Paul George led the... Thunder with 39 points. Russell Westbrook, 16, 15, 16, triple-double. Terrence Ross had 26 for the Orlando Magic. And in the late game, the Miami Heat beat the Portland Trailblazers, 118-108. Hassan Whiteside, a 28.11 rebound, double-double. C.J. McCollum had 13 for the Trailblazers. That's your night in the association. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Remember the live Trade Deadline podcast on YouTube on the Locked On Fantasy channel there. Go check that out for Jake Madison, the co-host or the host of the Locked On Pelican Show. Be sure to follow him. He's got all the details here at Nola Jake on Twitter. I am John Corrales, co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. Follow me at Red's Army underscore John. That's your Locked On NBA podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody.